Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Paul Ogando. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, if you're watching us online on our platform, rockchurch.com live there, um, you can look at notes, Bible. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. So get ready tonight so we can walk together through this process. And so there's a word that God put in my heart. Um, and so this word is so crucial because, you know, a door is so important. As you see here, a door is just an element that um, is so interesting because, uh, let me walk over here. Because a door is in most modern houses nowadays, most of them will have a door. And a door represents a place of safety, a symbol of security, uh, a place where you and I see sort of um, separate ourselves from what's happening outside of our house. And so it is so interesting that just a few months ago, we were all told to go back into our homes and seek shelter and sort of protect ourselves from the environment on something that is happening behind behind closed doors. But I'm here to tell you tonight that as we go back out and re-engage into the world, God is telling us there's something happening also outside of my door. There's something happening also that is not just I'm going to go back behind my door and so uh, be shelter and be in place. Though at the moment it was the important thing to do. Please do not um, take my words as if that, what we did together as a country and the entire world really was not important. What I'm saying is as we come out and re-engage the world, something is happening outside our door. And sometimes I think that a lot of people are physically ready to engage the world. I mean, they have their masks, they have their hand sanitizer, which we all do and should carry some around, and that's wonderful. Um, but I have a feeling that a lot of people have not taken care of their spirit man as they re-engage the world. And for all of us, especially those who profess to be Christians, it is not just caring for the physical aspect of your life, but it is maintaining a spiritual dynamic that would affect everything you do outside that door. Outside that door. And so when we look at the Word of God tonight, we have to look at what the Lord is doing on the other side of our door. There's so much happening as we re-engage the world in a world that sees things different and um, We'll see in a different way. And so Jesus is giving us an example on how to engage that world in that particular sense. And so when I read this verse, it's so captured my soul today um, that I want us to look at it. And it's found in Hebrews 13. And we're going to be two certain and main scriptures. Hebrews 13 and Matthew 26. Hebrews 13, Matthew 26. So go ahead and get your Bibles out. Um, get your iPad, iPhone, and, and locate those things and, and your notes and whatever you're doing. So Hebrews 13 is an interesting chapter. We looked at it a few years ago, um, and Pastor Dan taught through it in Hebrews 13. But basically, in Hebrews 13 is the conclusion of an amazing book, which we studied for about seven years in this church. And so it was a, a brilliant book. And so in Hebrews 13, the writer of Hebrews starts giving us different advice about different things. So about family, about marriage, and all of a sudden, he takes a turn doing certain, uh, like practical advice and takes a turn and talks about Old Testament sacrifices, but makes an interesting connection to Jesus that is so beautiful and explains what we're living through today. Let's read together. Hebrews 13, 11 says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Can you say outside the camp? Outside the camp. Type it in the comments. Outside the camp. So, 
So it's so interesting. He says the animals that are sacrificed, even though their blood, their life is behind the doors of the temple, the sacrifice happened outside of the camp. Okay, okay. Then he makes another amazing thing. Verse 12, he says, therefore, everybody who's been to the rock for more than a year knows that therefore is what? There for a reason. We've always been taught that therefore is there for a reason. And so he said, the animals are killed and sacrificed outside, even though their blood is inside behind the doors. Therefore, therefore, because I told you that, therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffer outside the gate. Can you say it outside the gate? Outside the gate. Huh. So, so, so the writer of Hebrews going, hey, animals were sacrificed outside the camp but their blood made it into a holy place. Jesus, therefore, because animals, Jesus being to make us holy, to make you and I a better person, sanctified, ready to be presented by God. He suffered outside the camp, but his blood was good enough to make us good before the Father. Verse 13. Therefore, oh my gosh, therefore is there for a reason. So the animals did something, therefore. Jesus did something, therefore. Look, look, look. Let us, you and I, therefore, let us go forth to him where? Outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Let me explain it this way. Here's what Jesus is saying. He was the writer. He was the saying. He's saying, hey, man, when you're behind doors, you're happy. Your family's there. You're in a place of security. You can hide away. You can put things away. No one can see you fully. But if you're going to live out Christ, you're going to have to go embrace him on the other side of the door. You're going to have to go outside of the camp where the animals were sacrificed, outside of the camp where Jesus was sacrificed, outside of the camp where we can receive his reproach and still live out Christ in a manner that is worthy of him outside the camp. It is not going to happen behind doors. It's not going to happen behind doors. And as we're coming out back into the world and re-engaging the world, we're going to have to figure out what happens outside of my door. Just like we're ready for many things, a spirit man has to be ready to engage Jesus outside of our door. And one of the greatest examples I found that blew me away, we know this very well, and that's Peter. And Peter, man, Peter was awesome because um, Peter was an important person among the 12. Peter was a crucial disciple. Peter was a, a gatherer. Peter was a guy that, you know, had magnetism. People followed him. Peter was a guy that was fiery. He said what he, it was in his mind, and you just had to deal with it. You know, it's just that's how Peter was. And so Peter was an amazing guy at that. He was very direct. But Peter was also because when you are that way, when you talk before you think, something always happens and goes kind of weird. Um, Peter was that. So if you're that, hey, man, you're in the Bible. You found a brother. Um, and so, so Peter was like that. And uh, Peter has to walk with Jesus and deal through some things because he's absolutely just kind of crazy at times. But Peter does something that was so amazing. Now, and let me get you the life of Peter. Peter comes to Christ. His family comes with him. He's an amazing. He is on the in crowd. I'm not talking about, look, any of us who have given our lives to Christ, at any point, we want to be as close as we can to Jesus. Peter was as close as you can get to Jesus. Peter was not only part of the 12, Peter was part of the three. The three. 
The three was the three closest people to Jesus. Peter was there. Peter saw Jesus transfigure in the mountain. People saw something, Peter saw something that no one had ever seen. Peter saw miracles. Peter did miracles before the book of Acts and did even greater when he's filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but he saw some amazing things. And now we find Peter, when Jesus is being tortured and about to be crucified, doing something so interesting. Seeing Peter outside of his door is very interesting, very different. See, because when the safety is removed, we tend to behave in a different manner. And, and so we are challenged to re-engage the world in a different light, in a different light. And, and the book of Hebrews says, hey, if Jesus did it, I can do it. He's saying if Jesus died outside the camp, then we should go and embrace our reproach outside the camp. Let me translate it. Christians are not popular today. But here, let me tell you another question. Have we ever been? Because following Christ has nothing to do with popularity. Following Christ has nothing to do with being on that side of the door. But on this side of the door, there's a different dynamic. And before you leave tonight, before you disconnect tonight, I want you to get some tools into your hands because when we re-engage life, we're going to need these tools to re-engage life on the other side of our door. Are you with me tonight? So we find Jesus has been captured, he's been beaten, and now he's waiting for crucifixion. Peter is sitting outside. Matthew 26, 69 says, Now Peter sat, where? Outside, outside. Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and the servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. Verse 70. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're saying. I, I, I want you to get this whole picture. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to read it all, and then we're going to break it down. Verse 71 says, and when he had gone out the gateway, again, he was in the safety, and he's in the courtyard. Now he leaves the gateway, so he sort of heads out of town, leaves the gateway. Another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Wow. Verse 72, but again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Do you understand what this guy's doing? This is your friend's friend. This is the guy on the in crowd. This is the guy who was with you before, who saw you and him, saw amazing things. And the moment you're down and out, he is the first guy to go, I have no idea who that guy is. Don't want friends like that. But Jesus saw something in him that was profound. And if you ever felt this way about your Christian walk where you said, I'm not sure how to respond. I'm being challenged with different social issues. And I'm not sure I trust my Christian standing. Tonight, I want to give you some tools so that you don't walk away from Jesus just because society is pressing you to say, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. Because there's action happening on the other side of our door when we engage the world. Verse 73 and a little later, so they're, they're on it, man, they're on it. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you're also one of them, for your speech betrays you. So Peter has a way of talking that is similar to what Jesus was saying. Verse 74, then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, the rooster crowed. So we found Peter under absolute pressure. 
when he went outside of his door, outside of his safety, and now he has to answer to the world. So I want to give you three things tonight that the Lord showed me through Peter's action, that you and I, when we embrace life outside of Jesus, when we embrace Jesus outside of my door, what do I have to do? What does that mean, Pastor, when I leave my house, when I now engage the world, when I see my cousin, when I write a post on Facebook or Twitter or whatever you do, when I talk to somebody on the market, when somebody has a difference of opinion, how do I engage the people that are outside my door? Because just when I figure out how to get a hold of the ones inside my door, now we're ready to go out again, right? Number one, know what you believe. Number one, know what you believe. See, many people will see what you do and challenge what you believe. We have to affirm our belief in a resurrector, ever-knowing, ever-present God. We have to affirm that. Because life has a way to shake what you believe. Here's Peter, Matthew 26, 69. I'll read it again. Now, Peter sat, repeat that word with me. Where, where? Outside. outside. Now, Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and the servant girl came to him saying, you also were um, with Jesus of Galilee, verse 70. Look at this. But he denied it, them all saying, I do not know what you're saying. I do not know what you're saying. Well, unless you affirm yourself in your belief, you're going to be challenged at every level, my friend. You're going to be challenged economically. You're going to be challenged emotionally. You're going to be challenged in every area of your life. And if you're going to follow Christ, you have to reaffirm yourself in what you believe. Yeah. And this is really important. And every minister, um, you know, I know uh, I, I wouldn't speak for Pastor Ann, but I know for every minister, including myself, even us at a certain point in our walk with Christ had to come to a dead end in our faith to sort of push past every doubt and unbelief and say, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Every person has. And unless you face it and figure out that what you believe, you're going to face yourself and sort of bump along the way because what society wants you to do is it wants you to conform to their thinking and their process and what they see is greater and better. And, but we understand that when we put our faith in God, that's what we believe. That's what we're solid for. And so it's so important. I was talking to my children, and I'll expand a little bit more on our next point, but about this. When I was in college, I took a class on sociology and a class on philosophy, as many people have to do in college in order to go through your basic requirements. And I remember my philosophy teacher would not give me an A or a B. I mean, he pretty much wanted me to fail the class because he did a, an existential question, and I answered the question with what I believe was my Christian faith, but that wasn't good enough for him. And no matter what I did, unless I changed and adjusted the answer to what he believed, I wasn't going to get a grade. And it was absolutely brutal. And so I had to push back and push back and just sort of move it up to the dean. Finally, he's like, I'll give you a passing which is a C plus. And that's what he gave me. He was giving me a C plus. Um, because I had to go along with whatever it was being taught at the moment. And it wasn't an easy decision. Not that I was a, you know, a, a straight A student. If I was a straight A student, it would have bothered me a little more. But <laughs> Why are you laughing at me like that? It's wrong. You're in church. But unless you define what you believe, you're going to have problems. Many of you know, maybe not, some of you are very young, but 1999 was the first mass shooting in America that was known as uh, in Columbine High School, I believe, uh, in Colorado. And so this is just something that happened, what, 21 years ago? And um, very fresh in our minds, those who saw it 
and understood what was happening and has changed. The, tra- the, the last 21 years, we've seen this thing repeat over and over, but at that time, it was the first time like that, just raw teenagers attacking each other. It was a very violent thing, and the most memorable person of that is a, is a girl named Rachel Scott, and the reason why she's the most memorable is because she was the first one who was killed in that um, in that massacre in Columbine High School. But Rachel Scott was a Christian girl, and she has impact, impacted many people. And there's a, a website dedicated to the, to the things they do, their family. That's really beautiful. And after she passed away, her mother found her journal, and a lot of her writings have been posted. And this 15-year-old girl, so deep in her Christian faith, was absolutely astounding. And for all of us, we were young at that age, and um, even younger kids, we were just blown away that a girl that passionate, that young. And the story goes that the two guys who walked up to her and put a gun in her head saying, you have to deny Christ. They specifically targeted her and weren't after her before they kill a bunch of other people. And she did not deny Christ and they kill her. This is what she wrote. Rachel Scott said, my definition of compassion is forgiving, loving, helping, leading, and showing mercy for others. I have this theory that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion, then it will start a chain reaction of the same. People will never know how far a little kindness can go. And just that expression motivated people to do something that was outside of their door and outside of their comfort zone. But it cost her something at 15 years old. And, and, and I wonder many times how many of us have made that level of commitment when we leave our door to engage Christ at that level. My friend, I, I know this is a direct message I know I'm not, you know, trying to patty cake it, but I just believe, just like Pastor Dan said, we're not in the end, end, but we're heading there. And one thing we have to define is what in the world do I believe? And do I believe it enough to give my life for it? That's the question you have to answer. Outside of the door, that is the question that needs to be answered. Because that is Christianity at its core. Christianity is core where people who died defending the gospel. Christianity is core where people who, uh, if, you write, if you read the book of Martyrs, it said that these guys were singing as they were burned alive. These guys were rejoicing in the fact that they could go outside the camp and embrace Christ's reproach. That was a belief in Christianity. Let's embrace Christ's reproach. Nowadays, we've been told, stay behind doors, man, where it's good, safe, and comfortable. And I'm inviting us all to get outside of our doors and say, I'm with Christ right now. I'm going to head that direction. That's what the Lord wants for me. Amen. Here's a redemptive verse from Peter. So I'm not going to leave him in a bad light. Poor guy. He was an amazing apostle. Uh, First Peter writes this. I'm leaving the New Living uh, Translation. In chapter 3, verse 14 says, But if you suffer, suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. Peter says, man, if you suffer. This is the guy who abandoned suffering at one point but later embraced it. And he's an amazing man. Died upside down, crucified. And his words were, I'm not worthy to die like my Jesus. And so he embraced the reproach all the way profoundly. And so he says, so don't worry. Don't be afraid of their threats. Verse 15, instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. 
Always be ready. So when you leave your door, always be ready to explain why are you so hopeful? What's happening in your soul? How come you're this way when everybody's going this way? Be ready to explain it. Verse 16 says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what good life you live because you belong to Christ. Just love that. Peter was like, I'm serious. When I was reading this, I was reading like, this has to be the disclaimer you sign before you open a social media page. Like, if you're going to be a Christian, defend your faith, do it kindly so that people know you're good, right? Right? Like, that's the disclaimer. Number two, embracing Christ outside of my door. The second thing after I know what I believe, I got to know your creator. Know your creator. If you've been in our church for any number of uh, times, years, you wouldn't have heard this phrase before. Here's, Here's what you've heard before. You can know about God, but it does not mean you have a relationship with God. And so for a lot of people, I think a lot of people are aware of the presence of understanding of God, but they don't really know God. And knowing your creator is a profound relationship that you must develop in Christ. Because if you don't, even Peter, who saw things you and I can only dream of, he, at the moment of pressure, said, I want nothing to do with that. So it is not a matter what you see all the time. It is a matter of what you've allowed yourself, not what you believe, and what you've allowed God to work in you as your creator in the process. And this is a very profound transformation. Matthew 26, 71, 72, look at Peter. And when he had gone out, once again, out of the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, Hey, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 72, but again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And the Bible writes that because the Jewish people, and really all of us shouldn't do that, but God mainly told them, you should not swear. Not only cuss words, you should not make an oath for anybody under the earth, especially God. So oh, saying an oath for a Jewish person was like absolutely terrible. You, you don't do that. And Peter went all the way. I mean, Peter went rogue hard in that process. He was like, nah, man, I, I don't know that guy. Did you understand what I just told you? Peter was not only the 12th. Peter was on the three, and as part of the three, Peter saw things that you and I read about and say, that is amazing. And when pressure came from society, Peter said, I don't know the guy. Because when he went outside of his door, he realized what people truly thought and believed. So it's not a matter of what people think, it's a matter of what you've defined within your soul. Because pressure will come, my friends. Pressure will come your way. My wife has been doing this Bible study with the kids about their faith. And it's something we've insisted on our children. I told my my oldest child this several times. I said, son, at some point in your life, you're going to have to define not the faith of mom and dad, but yours. I've said that to him several times because I want my kids to make a decision, not because mom and dad are pastors, but because they are following Christ. Because one thing is to come to church because I'm bringing you. Another thing is to come to church because you know your creator and you have a relationship with Jesus. It's two different things. Two different things. And so, so I, I'm beginning to be a little more direct with them in that sense. And so she's working through this curriculum on the challenges of faith and talking about all the end time things 
with our children. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And I had spent some time with them the other day when I was home. And it was great. And that's a reality. We're trying to tell our children. And Pastor Ann always often told us, hey, they're doing this with their children. Hey, here's what we're trying to do. Guys, get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Because when you get to know Jesus, it's not a religion. It's not a church. There's something about Jesus himself that is so beautiful and transformative and wonderful. And so when I define what I believe and I see Jesus for who he is, because Hebrews just said he embraced pain outside of the camp where the animals were sacrificed. And then he says, so should we. So should we. And Paul says, I want to know Jesus even in his suffering. That's what Paul wrote. And I believe in Ephesians, and one of those, he says, I, I just want to know him. I believe in Ephesians. I want to know him in his suffering. And so I'm not trying to teach you today, go suffer and beat yourself up. Come on, bring it on. You know, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is when he does come, don't buckle. When he does come, hey, you might be, man, I, I need some prayer. But don't walk away. Don't walk away. Just come back to the center and know Jesus. In the book of Daniel, chapter 11, I'll read it for Daniel 11. It's an amazing chapter. It's a prophetic chapter. And Daniel's given a prophecy about two kingdoms, the kingdom of the south and the king of the north and south, right? And then he said the kingdom of the north attacked the south. I believe the kingdom of the south defeated him. But the kingdom of the north, on his way out, in his return, Daniel said this king will convince people otherwise to follow him in wickedness because he couldn't defeat them. But I want you to see how he phrases this thought. In Daniel eleven thirty-two, 32 says this, Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. So let me describe it. Daniel is saying there's people who look at the covenant, the word of God, and are wicked with it. Meaning they don't care about it. They're doing their life. They have a thought about Christianity, but are not embracing the whole. Says people who do that are going to be convinced by the good yapping of this guy. This guy's going to say it in a way that sounds beautiful, but it's absolute foolishness. Should I go on about what we're seeing today? And so it's very important for us to define, hey, don't do that. But look, look, look what he says. But, but, a big word in the Bible. But says this, the people who know their, who, the people who know who? Who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. He says, the people that know the God. In another verse it says, people who know God will resist him, will absolutely stand firm. And so I'm inviting you tonight to do something. Get to know God. Define what you believe because when you leave your door, there is a whole nother thing you have to engage nowadays. And maybe you don't leave your door physically, but you are engaging with the world outside through social media and you're seeing the news and everything else and everything shakes your faith. My friends, it, it happens to me too. It happens to all of us because the information we feed ourselves define a lot of times of the things we believe. I mean, I had to turn off the news, stop social media increasing because it just got too crazy. Too crazy. Very interesting. I've heard this say, um, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I've always liked that. I believe Leonard Ravenhill said, a man in an experience with God will never be at the mercy of a person with theories. It is so different. To have a theory is one thing, but to experience it is a complete different thing. So I'm inviting you to believe in your creator. Last point for tonight. Last point for tonight. Are you with me today? Hope you're still awake online. 
Say amen over there. All right. Embracing Jesus outside my door. Embracing Jesus outside my door. Number three, number three, know what you're talking about. Know what you're talking about. Look, if there is one thing I can say about the world we live in today, the information changes so fast. So fast. And it's just so important because Christianity has remained consistent for thousands of years. Thousands of years. We're not changing our theology all of a sudden. It's remained consistent for thousands of years. And so when we know what we're talking about, when you grow in it, when you study your word, when you do that, something's going to happen in you. And it's very important that when you talk, when you engage, that you know, what is it that I actually believe? What are the things that are in my life? I'm not asking you to get a degree or a master degree in theology. I don't even have a master's degree in theology. So I'm not asking you to be that, but I'm asking you to study and read upon it. And that anything, anybody can do that and really look at the word of God from his context, from what is happening. Let it come into your life and, and know what you're talking about. Because if you don't, if you don't get that perspective, it's very important. You've got to know sort of the lingo of what is happening. Um, we all know sort of our people. If you don't know, I'm from a different country. I'm from a country, the Dominican Republic. And so I was born and raised there before I came to the U.S. And uh, you always know your people. I remember I was taking a trip, a mission trip to Peru, and we were uh, at the Houston airport, and I was, they put us on the last gate, this international airport. So we walked for a long ways to make it all the way to the gate. But as I'm walking through this long corridor um, of the Houston airport, at the end there's like a group of people. And I'm just walking and looking, and I'm walking and looking, and inside of me I said, hmm, they're Dominicans. And something in me said, those are my peeps. Like, I see the way they dress, the way they're shaking their heads. So I get closer, I hear the voices and comments, and I just knew. And you know your people. You know when you are. You know your neighborhood. You know where the things you've seen or grown in your country. Something happened to you where you're like, I know that. I've seen that, right? And you identify with it because you know what they're talking about. There is a common language because there's a common origin. Let me tell you, Christians, we come from all backgrounds, countries and different, but there is a common language and feel and direction given by the Word of God for each one of us. And someone should spot you from far away and say, that's my people right there. That's my people right there. So profound. Matthew 26, 73 and 74 says this, and a, li- and a little bit later, so there's pressure on Peter for being outside of his, of his security. He said he stood by somebody and came up and said to Peter, surely you're also one of them, for your speech betrays you. So Peter's talking a certain way where people are associating Peter with Jesus. You would think that's a good thing, but verse 74 tells a different story. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. I mean, Peter went full mode, you know, bleep, beep, 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 I don't know what's going on, right? It was, it was, Peter just went off. And you know what happened? Pressure does that to us, Right? We, we, we go outside and we try to engage the world and life the same way we've always known. And all of a sudden, we find that people change. We find there's a different process of thinking. We find that, you know, now we can't, I, I'm a hugger. And now you have to sort of do like a magic trick to know if it's okay, not okay. Do I go in? Do I go up, down? What are we, what are we doing here, right? Uh, this is a different language nowadays. 
Um, and so you go out and, and everything changed. Everything changed. But it shouldn't change you to the core. It shouldn't change you to the core. It shouldn't change. If you're a decent person before this, you should be a decent person afterwards. There's no reason to go down in the gutter. No reason for it. If you believe that God can do great things before we started this thing, why not believe it now even as we're going through it? What, why? we got to know this and affirm ourselves and know what we're talking about. Paul gives this advice to Timothy, and I'll end with this. Says, 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved by, to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word. Here, here, here's Paul saying, hey, Timothy, he was a, he was a young pastor and, and, and trying to make it happen. And, and, and Peter and Paul says, hey, Timothy, listen, don't be ashamed, man. Don't back down. You, you've been anointed. We prayed for you. There was word spoken over you. Don't back down. But do one thing. Get good at sharing the truth of God. Get good at knowing what you're talking about so you're not ashamed when pressure comes. Because there was pressure on Timothy. People didn't want to hear from him. He was too young. People didn't want to know what he was saying or follow him because you're just some puppet the Apostle Paul put here. We don't want to hear from you. And Paul's saying, no, man, don't back down. Encourage yourself in the Lord and speak the word of truth the right way. Say the things the way they should be said the right way. Don't back down. And so here's why for every one of us, three and a half months ago, two and a half months ago, we were sent home. And we were told that on this side of the door, we would be safe, cared for, everything was good because we were in our houses. And then it's okay to go outside of our door. And we have all the physical preparations, but I wonder if we're ready spiritual to engage in every area that the world may bring. Because to be true Christians, the Hebrew says, I want you to go meet Jesus outside of the camp. Because that's where he actually died. That's where he suffered. And it should be an honor for us to go outside of our door to do that. And in order for us to meet Christ outside of our door, I want you to do three things. Know your creator. Know what you believe. And know what you're talking about. If you can affirm yourself in those things, you can engage this world in a strong way, in a powerful way. You're going to be great. You're going to be great. Let's pray together. Is that okay? Bow your heads. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that you're doing an amazing thing in this world. And you're inviting us to engage your reproach and approach outside of our doors. And Father, we are committing as a church, as the Rock Church and World Outreach Center, those here on campus, those online and around the world, we're declaring today that we're going to engage outside of the door, Father. We're going to love people to life. We're going to say the truth in a powerful and loving way, Father. We're going to say we want to get to know our Creator so that we can walk together until eternity. Father, speak to every one of my brothers and sisters. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you tonight. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm good at two, but there's a third one you said today that I'm kind of um, having issues. Ask the Lord what to do with it. Is it get to closer to God? And ask God, how do I do that, Father? How do, how do I affirm that? Have you been weak in your faith and sort of doubting this process? Maybe affirm yourself in the faith today, right there, even online. It's your home or in your car, at work on the break room watching this. Affirm yourself in the faith tonight. 
Maybe you say, Pastor, I, I feel good, I believe, but I, sometimes I don't know what the Bible's about. Then ask the Lord, what should be your step to grow so you know what you can and how to talk about your faith? What is it that you need to do in that area of your life? Just ask the Lord. Father, speak to us. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.